Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So, uh, also, be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at SportsInfoCast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So many of you may know, after the uh, 2018 NCAA Division I men's basketball tournament, uh, the first ever 16 seed defeated the f- number one seed, Virginia. And uh, if any of you may have known, Shauna was on that uh, staff, and they actually only brought clothes for the one day because they expected to not get past the first round. And she had to run to Target to be able to just stay the weekend, basically, because they didn't really expect it. So if you were ever wondering what that atmosphere was like, maybe you weren't there. You quite possibly weren't there. Your SIDs are probably working. Uh, Shauna will tell it to you. Uh, She'll explain the whole entire situation. She'll explain the whole entire um, atmosphere. We'll talk about keeping your composure under those sorts of big moments. Uh, We'll also talk about what it meant to kind of change your major a whole lot, uh, move away from home. And she's from Pennsylvania, uh, that area, basically. And then uh, went to school in Mississippi State down in Starksville, Starkville. excuse me. And uh, as she'll say, it's 90, 100% humidity down there. So uh, quite the difference. And then we'll also talk about prepping athletes for interviews. Um, maybe you have an athlete, I know we do, that uh, – struggles well not really struggles but doesn't want to do their interviews or maybe um doesn't know how to do their interviews basically and we'll we'll go through all of that and more on today's episode of SIDcast do as the intro does say and also be sure to sign up for our newsletter sidcast.fireside.fm/newsletter and uh follow us on social media at sportsivocast on both Twitter and Facebook um guys these next couple interviews might be super short with me rambling because uh we are gearing up for the NCAA uh Division 2 Elite 8 is coming down here to Evansville I actually have that interview for that week already pre-recorded and I might honestly have somebody uh posted for me because I don't know where I'm going to be doing I don't know what I'm going to be doing I I don't I don't know what's going on that well I know what's going on but I might be running around uh like a chicken with my head cut off so just be uh aware that that's what's going on uh I do get busy just as you guys get busy so uh anyway guys uh we will start off today with episode 112 of SIDcast with Shauna Mosher of the uh UMBC Retrievers in her very first taste of sports information right here on SIDcast So my very first taste was uh, really when I was in high school, I was a sports journalist. Um, So I wrote on the high school newspaper uh, and I really wanted to be a sports journalist. That was my end goal in life. Um, So I started writing like weird, you know, I wrote the, my first sports article ever was a tennis recap um, and I knew nothing about tennis. Um, so I just really wanted to be a sports writer. So I did anything I could, um, (laughs) to just be, you know, in sports. And then, um, I became the managing editor of the newspaper my senior year of high school still wrote. Um, I did a whole series. Um, I'm from outside of Philadelphia. Um, so, excuse me. I did a whole series about the city six coaches. Um, so that was like my crowning jewel um in life mm, yeah. and you know i have them laminated uh <laughs> which is kind of cool um and jay wright signed one of them which is even cooler but uh so that was my first real taste of like sports 
anything. Um, but like the actual profession, like what we do now, um, is when I went to graduate school and um, I worked at Temple um, as the athletic communications assistant for two years. So that was my real break into the world. What did people say <laughs> in high school for you when you said you wanted laughed? to be a sports uh, writer? You know, because I was a girl. Uh, so, you know, girls didn't work in sports. You know, that was before you really saw, like, you know, the Michelle Tafoyas of the world and, you know, Pam Oliver and Erin Andrews kind of really be the main focus of, of sports, anything. Um, once I got to college, I wanted to – I got into broadcasting. My actual degree is in broadcasting. Um, and so it was a little – more commonplace, but still kind of becoming, um, you know, the the norm as we can kind of see it now. Um, but it was still not, you know, mm-hmm. I, when I was, um, I remember I wanted to go out for our school newspaper. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll write about football. And my whole life has been football. And the sports editor looked at me and laughed and was like, you can write about field hockey. And I was like, that's funny. Um, but I think now, um, oh. you know, it's more, <laughs> nor- you know, it's normal um, for people to be in sports. I know so many people in sports who are female, but back then it was, it was kind of a chuckle. Um, but the, guys I worked with on my high school newspaper um, and the guys that I was friends with, they thought it was like the coolest thing um, that there was like this girl who liked sports. Cause it was like a huge phenomenon that like no girl really in our high school was like that into sports. So. Yeah, we had a we we had she she moved on from the broadcasting program here now, but we had a girl that was um knew everything about just broadcasting basketball. Like that was her thing, you know. Like she like she could run circles around some of those dudes. Now, unfortunately, she uh, left to become a teacher. But um, I wish I could have her back because she was pretty damn good at yeah. stuff. Because the guys we have now. A little cringeworthy, but, but that's, that's for, that's for, that's for a different time. Um, and like, we kind of talked a little bit about off air. You said you, you have your degree in broadcasting, um, Mississippi state, uh, why leave that far from home? I mean, what was it, uh, so, uh about I Starkville had five that drew you all the way college. from Philadelphia? Uh, so I didn't start at Mississippi state. So this is a fun story. I didn't start at Mississippi state. Oh. I started at Chippensburg. University of Pennsylvania, which is in the middle of nowhere, PA. Um, and I wanted to be a writer, like I wanted to be a journalist. Yeah. And my mom was like, you know, newspapers are dying. And this was before papers, like newspapers figured we still need like digital writers. Um, and so they were firing people left and right. Um, so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to be a teacher instead. And I'll teach English and teach journalism on the side because my favorite teacher in high school did the same thing. And then I took a summer class in between my uh, freshman and sophomore year. And I it was an earth science class. And this little thing in my brain clicked. And I was like, I want to be a meteorologist. But when I was little, I really wanted to be a meteorologist. Like I would stand in front of our TV with a map of the United States and give my parents like fake weather forecasts. Um, so I had always wanted to transfer out of Shippensburg anyway. Um, so I started the transfer process out and into like a meteorology program. So it was between the University at Albany and Mississippi State. And Mississippi State's program was just like years above, like just not years above, so much better. Um, and Al- not that Albany's program Boring isn't way. great. It's just that Mississippi State uh-huh. puts more people into broadcast positions. Like 
at the time that I went, it was like 50% of all broadcast meteorologists have some sort of education from Mississippi State because they offer your bachelor's, a master's program, a like certificate. So uh, it was just, and I walked onto the campus and I, my mom was like, I knew as soon as you stepped onto the campus, like you were done. So on our drive back from our tour, my tour, I was like, so what do you think? She's like, we'll, we'll send the deposit when we get home. I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, I knew we weren't, you weren't going to go anywhere else. So that's how I ended up at Mississippi State. And then I ended up not obviously getting my degree in meteorology. I just got it in broadcasting and, but it was the best two years of my life. It was the best decision I ever made. Um, and I would go back, I would do it all again in a heartbeat. I wouldn't change anything, but Mississippi State's the greatest. I love it. Uh, you know, when I, when I was little, I'm sure people have similar stories, but I would build houses out of Legos and I would yeah. like take grid paper and I would draw houses. And I was like, Oh, I'll be an architect. And no, it was, it was kind of like a, yeah. I like the design, I think is what it was more than architecture itself. But, um, maybe there's some, some little things like that for you, even with meteorology that you can kind of pick out and say, I like, I enjoyed this and this is what I, I really enjoyed. You know, um, but what was it like? Like you said, you changed your major five times. Uh, what was that kind of toll like on you mentally? You know, as you were advancing through college, that you kept Not changing. Really. Like so that? Was I there any some sort of was there any stress at all? When I told, like, I tell people all the time, oh yeah, I had five majors and I still graduated. It's because I started in communication and ended in communication. So a lot of my classes transferred over. They counted. They were fine. Um, there wasn't really like a huge, definitely when I, so right before I transferred out of Shippensburg, I changed to physics just to get like a basis of classes. Cause a lot of your meteorology classes mm. were physics and chemistry and, and, you know, all these weird math classes. So just to get some base classes down before I left, I changed. And that was probably the hardest semester of college for me solely because of that um but other than that it really didn't I mean I think just um my hardest semester probably other than that was my first semester at state um just being 17 hours away from home uh mm -hmm. when I was at Chippensburg I was two so I could get in my car and go home uh I was 17 hours away from my parents at that point and luckily my roommate became was my best friend right. we became best friends her parents essentially like adopted me um so that was nice but yeah really having five majors didn't do anything like stress-wise for me I kind of was like I laughed about it because my brothers both changed their majors but they did it twice and I was like of course I'm gonna be the problem child like transfer the farthest away, like That's right, yeah. my majors a million times. So yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. You said that you were, you know, in the double digits um, with how many hours you're away from home. Yes. Any culture shock, anything <laughs> like that? Obviously. Uh, and we had talked about this off air a little bit. The heat <laughs> uh, is definitely the biggest thing. I uh, mm. showed up for my first day of class in jeans and I thought it was because it was 90 degrees out or 95 degrees out and the real feel was 114 and I had never in my life and hundred percent humidity never in my life had I experienced anything like that because the hottest place I had ever been was Arizona and as they all say it's a dry heat so like 95 in Arizona is still 95 um, right exactly so that was really difficult and then also when I went to college I was a vegetarian um so down south they don't even know so it was like weird nobody knows what I ended that is yeah having, like, <laughs> I, like ended my I was a vegetarian for 10 years um and that ended my senior year because I was like getting really sick so I finally was like able to enjoy barbecue my senior year of college but so that was like difficult. I literally for a whole year ate toast with peanut butter, yogurt, and like vegetables. Like that's it. Um, so that was 
probably the biggest or also you know people calling you a yankee Mm -hmm. every five seconds because you talk funny uh is probably but i developed a southern accent in less than two months because i came home for christmas break talking like a southerner and my cousins thought it It wasn't that was oh yeah (laughs) yeah um my cousin uh they're all from uh madison it's it's really it's really 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 weird so i'm from madison indiana um okay I know and then my cousins that. are from madison mississippi yeah which is just north yeah it's just north of jackson and we didn't plan that my uh high school acronym was mchs their high school acronym was mchs but my cousin uh has like this it's not like like a deep southern it's kind of like a yeah, uh, I don't know, like a rich southerner yeah. accent. Yeah, that type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, and then one of them, I, I had two of them. Oh, one of them okay. went to uh, Providence, Rhode Island, for her college, and I was like, "Yeah, you might be like, you think that Yankees talk funny? Like, wait till you get into colonial country and, and yeah, and things like that." Um, so you got to move back home. You you went to Temple. Uh, what was the job search process like for you? Were you looking for specific sports information jobs? I mean, where were you at um, so with life I like at that time once you got out of state? for broadcasting jobs. Um, and it's really hard to break into the field of broadcasting, at, especially at that time. I graduated in 2013, and it just kind of seemed like people my age, like in my um graduating class like a lot of my friends that I knew just we were having a hard time just in general finding jobs um and so in my field you know we were all told unless you like know somebody you're gonna have to move to like Glendive Montana which is the smallest market and then move your way up um and obviously I'm from the number at that time it was the number four media market in the country um so unless I knew somebody, which I didn't. Um, so it just was hard. It was difficult. I didn't want to, you know, move home and then move back like out somewhere. So I actually took a job in West Point, Mississippi at a newspaper, um, which going back to my roots and I hated it. Um, it was awful and it was a small newspaper there were you know the managing editor and then like three editors and that was it there was not a lot of people Uh, and it was just awful so I quit that job and went back home um, and I did what everybody did when we moved back home I got a serving job um, and decided I'm going to go to grad school like I need to do something um, to expand, you know, my job field, my job search. And I looked at Temple, um, Temple has like mm-hmm. a great sports business program or, um, so I applied, I got in, I got picked for a graduate assistantship in the communications department. And that was really how I got into the position, you know, into working in sports information you know, in the capacity that I'm in now. What was kind of your uh, first impression it. of the field? Uh, so I was lucky because I got to work in football when I was at Temple. So for me, my first love in life Ooh. has always been football. So you know, I was so lucky. Yeah, you and me both. It was always football yeah. and then it was always baseball and there was literally nothing else in the world to me. And so I had been writing for a college baseball publication and Temple had just cut their baseball program. And when I went in for my, when it was like, Mm, I I it it happened in December and I got interviewed in May. So it was like right after. And so when I went in, my boss, Larry was like, Oh, you know, we don't, we don't have baseball. This is going to be for football. I was like, okay, I, I failed to see the problem. Uh, perfect (laughs) it was great it was awesome it was tough um I worked six hours you know not six hours a day I worked way more than that I worked seven days a week you know I was working Sunday to Saturday 
and then you know after a game you was you were right back in on Sunday it was definitely tough but you know I knew that this is what I wanted to do and I had to do it and trying to balance you know schoolwork and work work for the first time ever in my life um that was kind of difficult uh but it worked Mm -hmm. it worked well and you know it was awesome I loved it other than what you just mentioned about the balance and stuff, uh, what were some other things that you might have found challenging uh, being thrusted basically into your first ever sports information season with FBS football? I think just, you know, trying to keep up with the like magnitude of what you actually have to do, uh, especially in an FBS capacity, you know, uh, you know, game notes and then you, know, you have to send all of these media packets out and then you've got to get ready for a game. And then I also, I had tennis on top of that. So obviously in the fall, I wasn't dealing as much with tennis, but um, my second year Mm -hmm. I had women's soccer and football. And so it it was difficult um, to try and balance that because you're, you know, I got a game this day, but I have to get this done for football. Then you know, you're trying to, my favorite thing ever in the world was our media availability was trying to deal with our players, you know, running around the field, trying to, you have an interview and you have an interview and someone's trying, I, yeah. the problem <laughs> children of the world were, you know, I, you know, I got class. I know you don't have class. Like, I know you have class at 2.30. It's one o'clock. Now I got to go to class. You're doing this interview. Mm -hmm. And so that was different, you know, trying to deal with like, you know, the interview, like getting people for interviews and then people being like, well, I need this person for an interview, but like, they didn't tell you the day before. So like, just trying to deal with like all of that Uh kind of stuff at once was, was definitely t- challenging. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a moment. Um, Cause we, and, and it's, it is a difficult situation. I'm not going to go into the details about it, but he doesn't, we have a basketball player that does not talk to the media for, for one very good reason, but then he's kind of warmed up to it as of late. And when we asked him to do an interview, he said, uh, LeBron James doesn't have to do all of his interviews. And I was like, you are a division two basketball player. You get your butt out there and just talk for two minutes. That's all you got to do. So what, what are some things that maybe you kind of have to train your athletes a little bit on to, for that? I mean, how did you, you already touched on it a little bit, but you had to work through the, the people that a didn't want to talk to the media or B didn't know how to, how did you work through that? And how uh, do you so- do that now? With this one particular player, he was always a problem. Just, I mean, always in the two years that I worked with him. Um, two years, one year. One year. He was a senior. Oh, it was two years. Sorry, I'm like getting my people. Um, no, you're good. <laughs> and it at one point, I my boss was out and... I had to run things by myself and this particular player had to do an interview and he was like, I'm not doing it. I was like, all right, fine. But when I get in trouble later and I have to blame you, you're going to get in even more trouble. And he just did it. So you got to kind of like some, you know, at that point too, I was 24 and these kids are like 21, 20, you know, so you're kind of close in age and you want to be like friends with them, but you got to like put a firm handle be like and a lot yeah. of times a lot of them looked at me as like a little sister because I was the only girl like that was around at that most of the time too so they were the ones helping me hey can you grab I know so and so ran into the locker room can you grab them for me because I wasn't allowed in the locker room and so they were helpful but like you got to lay a firm hand down sometimes just be like look like I know you really don't like this but like you had said like it takes two minutes like it's just two minutes once a week, you know, it doesn't really, it's not going to hurt you in the long run. No. Right. It, it doesn't. 
it doesn't do anything. So, but how did you walk that fine line of, of being close in age like that? Cause uh, as you just said, like yeah. you're 24, they're 21, 22, 20, they're, they're on a big stage. And then I know for me, I had class with some of my athletes cause I, cause I went to undergrad here and then I also mm-hmm. went to my GA ship is here too. So I had class with some of the athletes that I'm like yeah. trying to set up, trying to do everything for. How did so you I walk had that Some line? of our uh, football players were also like, they were fifth years. And so they were in my mm-hmm. um, master's program. And so, so some of them, you know, we had class together and, um, you know, we were friendly and that was because of class. And then actually one night I was out, all of my cousins went to Temple. We literally are just a family from Temple. And one night I was at Temple, the yeah. bar with my cousins and I just saw a whole group of my student athletes walk by. And I was like, please do not come in here. And they thankfully didn't. But, you know, at that point, had they, I probably would have left. Because I don't yeah, want to be, I can't be around them. Like, I knew some of them were not of age. So it's like, you you really have to be careful. You can't be like you obviously can't hang out with them outside of you know game you know outside of anything you know, right. really got to be a fine line and there is definitely a fine you know it's not even a fine line I think I think it's a pretty thick line of don't you know don't get too friendly like I have some women's lacrosse players now who they'll come into my office they'll sit they'll chit chat like we're friendly but I would never like, you know, go out with them or anything like that. So I think, yeah, like you, invite them, yeah. you, I think in our position, we're all mature enough and smart enough to know what the difference is between this is okay and this isn't. Um, and, you know, I think at that point too, like, I just, I just knew, I was like, this is my job. I wasn't going to do anything to jeopardize it. Um, I think that's kind of where my like mind was, was like, yeah, I get, we're like two years apart, three years apart, but like, you're still an athlete. I knew the, I knew the rules, like the NCAA rules and everything about, you know, yeah. Yeah. Contact Stupid. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, um, you just kind of mentioned it there. You, you moved on to UMBC after Temple. So again, kind of same phrasing a question as when you left state, uh, where were you at with life at that time? Um, how was the process? How was the interview? Uh, can you so spare no detail? When I was getting ready to graduate from Temple, you know, I just applied for literally everything that was open. Um, and I had interviews some places and then it was kind of getting to that, like, oh my God, I'm never going to get a job type feeling because I uh-huh. you know, would apply everywhere. And I'm like, I'm qualified, like hire me. Um, and so I actually applied for a job at Hofstra and interviewed there. And then I was getting ready um, and I didn't hear about, or I wasn't chosen. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to live at home forever and like not a job uh-huh. <laughs> and then I saw this job open at UMBC and I was like all right like let's apply and applied interviewed and was offered the job within like two weeks um and I moved here within like a month of my interview um but it was great I mean it was like really quick interview uh I left for Arizona the next day uh and it was I got my call or I got the call that I got the job and it was great I mean it was definitely like a a good like chance to take because I had never heard of UMBC mm-hmm. before um I applied for the job and I was like all right well seems interesting and it was for women's basketball women's lacrosse women's soccer and I was like Sure. Like I worked those. Yeah, I hadn't not? really worked women's lacrosse. Like I had kind of done it in my internship, but like everything else I kind of knew. I was like, let's do it. Like, why not throw my hat in the ring? And obviously it has worked very well. 
Yeah, I'd say so. Um, so you never heard of UMBC before, I, and uh, uh, I probably shouldn't. But uh, how far away is Philly from Baltimore? I mean, uh, what did you when when you got to UMBC? I mean, what did you think of it? What was your first so, impressions? Baltimore and Philadelphia on a good day are like two hours apart. Two hours. Uh, okay. It's on the 95 corridor, so 95 can get really iffy uh, depending on what time you leave. So if I want to go home to see my parents and I leave at five, it takes me like two and a half hours to get home um, mm. with the traffic. So it's not awful. Um, but when I got here, so we are not exactly, our mailing address is Baltimore, um, but we are in Baltimore County. And yeah you're kind of like it's like yeah. weird um we're like really kind of in this town called catonsville and it's it's nice like it's very it's real i live in the city so when i come to work i'm not in the city and it's great and i love it and it's really it's a nice little campus it's on a loop um and everything is just right there it's so when i got here and i took you know my boss steve took me around like this campus is so cute like it's just it's really nice <laughs> it's you know a really nice place and I liked it so when I got the offer I was ecstatic to say yes um obviously not just because it was a job but also because it was it was a really good school to like come work at for the fact that you know it was like a nice place it was a nice area um and just I saw like the potential here so the season is, is starting to come around and you can look on Coastside of job boards and see that stuff is starting to pop up a little bit more frequently. Uh, you just mentioned that um, you were kind of stuck in one place. Like you, you thought you weren't going to get a job. You, you weren't going to get anything. So a lot of people are going to go through that here in a couple months. What would you say to them? I mean, as far as mentally, uh, as far as, I mean, I, I know, I know what I would say. I would just keep applying, yeah. you know, just keep going. I mean, what would you say, what are some pieces of advice you would give to a, a professional going through that process this upcoming spring? Definitely keep applying. Just don't ever give up. Don't ever feel like, I know it's going to feel like, oh my God, you know, I, nobody wants me. Like I, what's wrong with me? And that's exactly what I went through. You know, I had applied at Auburn and Wisconsin and, you know, all these places. And I was like, I know I'm qualified. Like I, you know, I obviously have done the work and I, you know, I know like I can do this and just, you know, obviously there's, there's always going to be someone out there who has just one little bit of a leg up on you and that's okay. Don't, don't get yourself down about it. Like, um, I last year interviewed at Notre Dame, um, and I was so excited because it was going to be like a great opportunity. And I obviously didn't get the job. And I was a little, I was upset. I was kind of bummed. And, you know, I was like, you know what, it's okay. Because, you know, it just wasn't meant to be. And that's kind of how I have started to go through, you know, my, like, if I apply for a job or, you know, I should have thought that way when I was applying for jobs. Like, it's okay. Like, it's something better is going to come around for you. And that's essentially what happened for me is, you know, the, you know, Wisconsin didn't work out and Auburn didn't work out and Hofstra didn't work out. And I ended up at UMBC where I've been for almost three years and I, you know, I love it here and, you know, it's becoming home for me or it has become home for me. And, you know, it's now just my place and so that's going to happen for you. And, and don't, don't get yourself down. You know, it's okay to be upset, especially if it's your dream job. I've applied to Mississippi state three or four times and <laughs> having, you know, I would love to go back to Starkville and I haven't gotten an interview and I haven't even got, you know, nothing. So, you know, and I've gotten down about that because, you know, that's my dream job. But if your dream job doesn't get back to you, don't, don't worry about it. Something else is going to be there for you. Yeah, I, I think that I, I like to tell myself those types of things about like, you know, the timing of everything. Uh, we, we had some stuff as far as academic things last semester. 
And we kind of had to tell ourselves like, hey, there's, there's a reason now we're both aligned and in this kind of in this kind of way. Um, also, jokingly, uh, if there's always somebody who's going to have a leg up on you, eventually those people are going to run out. So you're going to be fine. <laughs> um, but I think people would be a little bit upset if, if I didn't ask you about uh, last season yeah. with the first round of the uh, NCAA tournament. How was the office the next day? So I don't know how the office was the next day because I was in Charlotte. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I uh, So I was very fortunate enough that my boss um, allowed me to go. Um, and so I am kind of the, I don't want to say I'm the secondary contact, but I'm kind of the like de facto. I help Steve out with a lot of stuff for men's basketball um and I was very fortunate that he let me go and um it was awesome so so yeah so hold on one second so you were actually in stress so now I'm going to change my question a little bit how was your emotions what was kind of the ride for you during that game um so I was also I didn't have to work that game I was in the stand like in sitting Uh (laughs) even better um I have never witnessed anything more exciting in my life, (laughs) to put it simply. Um, So we were all sitting, it was like a bunch of people from UMBC, we were all sitting together. And I don't think we've ever screamed, like I've never screamed so much like in my entire life. Um, It was crazy. So the mood of like the people we were with the next day was like, awesome it was insane um and I don't know if you were at Cosida this year um Mm -hmm. but so people who were at the panel about like big wins and losses Steve told a story about how somebody from his office had to go to Target the next day because they didn't buy enough clothes or bring enough clothes to Charlotte that was me um I had to go to to Target while we were in Charlotte and buy like a whole new wardrobe because I had packed enough for that for like one day, day. And yeah <laughs> my outfit to wear to the game and then my outfit to wear on the plane home on Saturday and then I had to just scrap everything so yeah um it was crazy uh it was definitely like really cool because women's lacrosse played on Saturday and all of them had painted uh, seventy four fifty four, like on their cheeks or on their calves or like somewhere on them. So that was kind of cool that like they were all being supported. So it was definitely really cool. And like I wore a UMBC t shirt out like while I was at Target, and then to go get food. And the the kid at um, wherever I went to go get food was like. Oh, that's the team that beat Virginia. And I was like, oh yeah, like I work there. And he's like, that's really cool. So it was really cool. Like it's awesome. And even now still people like ask about it. They're like, how was it? You know, like it's really cool. So it was fun to be a part of, and it was really cool to be a part of it with, you know, the, the group of kids that were a part of it. So it was awesome. It was definitely a really cool experience. Yeah, I'm sure it's something that you'll, you'll never forget. And I, I'm hoping that SIDs like, I usually ask the question, I'm about to ask you this, the same question i think it's going to be the same as this story you're coming but like their favorite memories like i i remember being in one of the most exciting games that i've ever watched i was with my mom and we got random randomly assigned like because we were cult season ticket holders we got randomly assigned like a seat in the elite eight or a sweet 16 uh round basketball in indianapolis and we tried to find our seat and turns out we were front row and i was like Okay, you know this is cool. It's Louisville versus Duke, and I and I live by Louisville like my entire life. I love Louisville, you know. And I remember Kevin Ware jumping up and then coming back down on the one leg, and no. then I was front row for that right there in front of me, and I will never forget that face, and I will never forget, you know, and I. I'm not, I wasn't a big fan of Duke at the time because of the Plumleys, 
you know, and the way that they came back and just demolished Duke that rest of the time, it was just beautiful. And that's something I'll never forget too. If anybody had any, any questions about what my favorite sport memory has ever been, it was that and the kick six I watched live. I watched those two things live. So yeah, it was, it was, it was brutal. Let me tell you, everybody always brings it up in class and I'm like, I was there. (laughs) so um i'd like to switch gears a little bit and and i just kind of mentioned it for for a second there uh i usually ask people what's their favorite memory in their professional tenure is is it still going to be the umbc for you is it going to be something else um no it's so i love that moment that was great um but my favorite memory in my professional work career is when uh temple beat penn state oh Uh, yeah and I love it for two reasons one I was on the field the moment the clock ran out and I I've been on the field I was on the field when we when they played uh Notre Dame on on Halloween and that was like a really cool atmosphere and unfortunately they lost but just a cool atmosphere so I've been on the field for a lot of games but the atmosphere in Lincoln Financial Field, when that clock ran out, was amazing. Uh, for the fact that it hadn't happened in so many years, I mean, they hadn't beaten them in so long. And then uh, on a personal level, my dad is a huge Penn State fan. Oh. And he was at that game with my stepmom. Um, and I kind of chuckled because. I was like, I looked up to where my seats were that I had given them. And I just kind of like shook my head and laughed. And I was like, yes, my dad got to go to his first Penn State game ever in his entire life. It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Um, but, you know, my dad's been watching. My my first football game that I ever watched in my life was a was Penn State Georgia Tech on August 29th, 1991. And it was a kickoff classic. I was two days old, but. Uh, so I've been watching Penn State my entire life, literally. Technically, yeah. That was the best Penn State game I had ever watched because I lost. So uh, that's that's probably my favorite moment. How do you keep your emotions in check with something like that? As far as professionally, we just won with a with a buzzer beater uh, on Saturday. And I was still like elated celebrating. I still had to go in the visiting team locker room and be like, <clears throat> okay, uh, here's your stats. You know, yeah. and like, how do you keep your emotions in check with that? Yeah, I've, I've had to, there's moments where I've had to really check myself and be like, you, you're still working. Um, obviously, the loss against Kansas State, I was work, I actually worked, I was writing the game story. And um, when the clock was running out, Coach Odom subbed everybody out. Um, and you can see me on press row fighting back my tears because I, when I see someone cry, I cry (laughs) and some of our guys were crying and I was like, nope, nope, nope. And so you can, my friend Snapchatted it to me. Um, and you could see me like on press row crying. So there's moments where I've had to be like, you're still working, like get it together. Um, but it's, it's tough. You know, obviously, I I don't want to speak for everybody, so I'll speak for myself. I you know, I'm really invested in my job and in our programs and in our kids. Um, so when I, you know, when we have a great game and we win, you know, at a buzzer or, um, you know, when I worked at Temple, we lost in our in our first bowl game for like the first time in years and our senior linebacker who had won the Nagurski that year came out of the locker room crying. And I was like, Oh boy. So like I had to pull it together. You just, you become attached, you know, this, you know, we talked about earlier, the line, Mm -hmm. you know, obviously that wasn't at that point, that was kind of like a friend thing, but at the same time you work with these kids every day, you get to know these kids, you know, and um, it's tough to watch them be upset because, you know, 
they lost or, you know, it's exciting to see them excited because they won. So, you know, keeping it in check is tough sometimes, mm-hmm. but, you know, on the inside, there's definitely parts of me that are excited and celebrating or angry when things are not called or don't go right or anything, but it's. Yeah. I, I'm sure that like, I know, I know there, there have been times where I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm not supposed to say that, you know, like, yep. like I, I, I specifically called the play that we were going to have on Saturday. I was like, Alex Stein, step back corner. We win. And that's exactly what happened. And I, you know, I found my fist, I looked up and my fist was in the air and I was like, okay, put that back down, you know? And so I'm sure that there are times it's okay. And times that it's not, uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? Oh, uh, trying to think of what I tell my students. Um, when we get a crop of student interns and we usually sit down with them and ask them like what they want to do. I usually just tell them like, don't, like, don't be afraid to like do anything, you know, um, that might seem like suck uppy to some people, but just do whatever you can, you know, try to get your hands into, you know, as much as you possibly can and always, always ask for help. Um, Do not be afraid to ask someone for help. Um, And yeah, that's, that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Uh, What's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Oh, um, Oh God! <laughs> I know they're hard, aren't they? I got good. Questions. They are hard. I got good questions. Yeah, learn more about. I just want to always better myself. Like, just that's what I try to constantly do. Like, how like how can I be a better SID? So you know, staying on top of the trends, like what's what's new this month on you know in graphic design that's usually my biggest thing is like graphics um so photoshop uh is probably what i need to learn to become better at um but how to become a better like this is gonna sound funny especially because i have a huge background in this but a better like storyteller um especially in this day and age because nobody cares about Mm long-form stories anymore um, so trying to, and that's always been my biggest thing is literally everybody tells me I, I ramble too much. So how to become like a better storyteller for the short form is probably what's, uh, some traits or characteristics make a good SID in your mind. You have to be, uh, detail oriented. Um, you have to be, uh, I think you have to have a sense of humor. Um, and I know that's weird because, you know, some, I know some SIDs that really aren't, but I think in this job, especially because the like hours we work, the amount of time, like days we work, like you just got to find humor in, in some situations. Um, don't take yourself advice to kids. Don't take yourself too seriously. Oh, yeah. You are, do not take yourself too seriously. Um, so I think that's, a a good characteristic to have is just and a good trait is just have a good sense of humor. Um, and just, yeah, I think that's, those are probably big ones. Detail oriented, good sense of humor. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, next, I know you just, you just said a little bit ago, not quite in Baltimore, but the next time someone is in the Baltimore area, uh, what's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Um, so most people tell you Nacho Mama's, which is in Canton. There's one in Canton. There's one in Towson. Um, that's the like touristy place to go, um, and get a hubcap margarita. That's their signature. It's literally served in a, in a bowl. Um, I am very much like a creature of habit. So I go like the same places all the time um if you're a beer like aficionado max's tap house in fells point is pretty good um 
food-wise, oh, man. Um, there's a lot of different places, but I'm trying to think of what's good. Um, uh, Alexander's Tavern in Fells Point is really good. They have, like, really good tots. Um, brunch-wise, like, brunch, trying to think. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of people obviously go, like, downtown or, like, Inner Harbor, mm-hmm. um, but they have, like, more basic, like, the Shake Shack and you know, Shake Shack-type places and, um, you know, Chipotle and nothing... Yeah, Nothing although fancy. there's this place called Miss Shirley's that's supposed to be really good. I haven't been there yet, but that's like a hot spot downtown. Okay, perfect. Well, um, if anybody had any questions for you, maybe want to follow up with you, what would be the best way to do it? Follow me on Twitter. My handle is obviously at SK underscore Moser. Um, and I'm always reachable at email. My email is smoser at umbc.edu. Well, perfect. Uh, Shauna, thank you very much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Well, guys, there you have it. I really appreciate you uh, tuning in. If this is the first time you've ever listened to a show, uh, be sure to leave us a rating and review. Sign up for our newsletter, as I have said in the intro. Follow us on social media. Uh, We're just about everywhere. You can find us. You can also follow me personally, uh, at David Gibson SID on Twitter. I'd love to meet you guys. I I seldomly, not really seldomly, but I sometimes get DMs and stuff and emails uh, from people saying that they enjoy the show. I really do uh, like those sorts of things, especially when... uh, it comes to be crossover season time, uh, as you all may know. So uh, send us some uh, encouraging words as, as we start to get deeper and deeper into the spring season. So um, next week, we will have Jeff Henson of the Olivet Comets. Uh, he's coming to us from um, – actually, I recorded that show at my parents' house. So he was very, very patient with me looking at all the all the pink and all the teacups and stuff. Um which is no big deal, but you, yeah, it, it was it was fine. And we uh, hope that you'll enjoy that one just as you enjoy every single other episode that we do have. So um, anyway, guys, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you all for listening. Hope to catch you all in the next episode.